Welcome to the Get Up and Hope podcast. My name is William Thomas. Thank you for joining your hosts, my dad, David Thomas, and his friend Joe Carr. Hello, this is David, and in this episode, we discuss the popular phrase, perception is reality. We address the dangers we face when we solely rely on our own assumptions and fail to recognize the views of others. Well, welcome back to another episode of Get Up and Hope. My name is Joe, and I'm with my good friend, David. We're happy that you joined us this morning for this episode, which we've entitled, Is Perception Reality? So, David, how are you today? I'm doing great, actually. I'm not stuck in traffic anymore like I was this morning for an hour and a half on (laughs) I-4, the nightmare of a highway that stretches from Tampa to Daytona Beach. It is getting cool here in Florida, finally. I'm actually finally getting to wear a jacket. I've been jealous of all my friends up north as they've been (laughs) posting pictures and everything. It just reminds me we're heading into Thanksgiving and it's one of my favorite holidays. It's also one of those that people have a lot of different perceptions or opinions about the holiday from this is a holiday where we give thanks, where we celebrate family all the way over to uh, this is a holiday that marks the beginning of this terrible thing that happened to the Native Americans As time has gone on, it's developed so many different perceptions and brings up so many different emotions in people. When it comes to Thanksgiving, I think about time around the family table. There's always that consistent cultural joke, you know, like which uncle or grandparent or somebody's going to bring up something political. It's going to make everybody uncomfortable. And so there's a lot of emotion that goes into this holiday as well, just as we meet with family. You probably don't know this. I actually got in one of those arguments when I was younger and had my nose broken over the dinner table at Thanksgiving and had to go to the hospital for the rest of the day. (laughs) (laughs) My siblings and I were pretty animated. (laughs) Okay. That's hilarious. Oh my goodness. I was thinking a lot about this topic of perception as reality, just in the context of the subject matter of this podcast, because what we want to present is ideas that spur people on towards hopeful thinking, towards positive thinking. And that requires usually an internal transformation. And I think right at the core of that transformation is the way we view what's happening in front of us. Because, you know, every circumstance that happens, there's two possible outcomes. You can either view it in a negative way, or you can view it like in a potentially positive way. And usually, Uh, Most of us live influenced so much by our circumstances alone, and yet we want to rein that in and have control over how we perceive what might be happening. And that gives us the possibility for hope. So I'm excited as we talk about this subject and explore it a little bit more that that's kind of the goal of where this is all heading. Right. We all want to believe that the way that we're seeing events is the way that everybody sees them, that we're not bringing in our assumptions or our worries or our past experiences into that. But if we're really honest with ourselves, we know that what we're seeing is really our perception of reality or of an event or of a person. And we bring stuff in that clouds our vision. Mm -hmm. Kind of a lighthearted example of that was just a few minutes ago before we got on this call, you may have been stuck in traffic, but I was working on a little home improvement project. And so I was knocking out some sheetrock in a certain section in our house where we're going to like move that wall and replace it. And of course, you know, 
if you do any home construction, sheetrock dust is the worst. So we put up plastic, you know, and we try to, you know, keep the dust collection to a minimum. And then of course, time's running out and I got to clean up real quick and run into the other room and change, take a shower and get down here where I can get on this phone call. And so I go into the bedroom and I'm kind of moving stuff off of our bed, you know, in order for me to just sit down and be able to take off my shoes. And I don't realize, but in the pile of like a coat or a jean or something like that was my cat curled up but my, <laughs> because my glasses were completely fogged over with all of this sheetrock dust. I couldn't tell what was right there in front of me. So like at the very <laughs> last second, I'm like, oh, there's my cat sleeping. So I'll just scoot over a little bit instead of disturbing her. Um, but it just kind of made me laugh at the thought that like physical things sometimes cloud our vision. And they um, keep us from being able to see what's actually in front of us. But I think we would say the same thing happens internally, too. I think that some of the baggage that we carry with us all of the time even clouds our vision in ways that we may not even understand. It, it goes back to the idea that we've discussed in the past of defining moments where we may define a situation a certain way because of our perception of what's going on. And as we find out more information about the situation, our perception could change. So I live in Florida and I go to the beach pretty regularly with my kids. I have this deal with them where they can play in the water as long as they're close to me and where I'm sitting on the beach and as long as I can see them clearly. But if you've ever been in the ocean, you know, there's this current and you can just be out there playing or relaxing or whatever. And you look up and you're further away than where you started because yeah. you've just been slowly moved over time. So I walk up to the edge of the water and I kind of motion for them, hey, come back here, you're getting far away and they're supposed to come back. So my older one would always come back and my younger one would kind of look at me and then just look back down at what he was doing. And sometimes the older one would grab him and say, come on, we have to go back and kind of drag him over. And so my youngest one, Will would have to come up and sit in timeout every now and then. And I would explain to him that he needs to listen to me because it can be dangerous to get far away from me in the water. And then he would go back out there and then, you know, he'd get far away and I'd motion to him again and he would not come back again. He would just look back down. Well, it turns out a couple of years later, uh, we found out he needed glasses. <laughs> when he was <laughs> old enough to get to his first eye exam that really changed my perspective or my perception of what was happening all of those times. And as I received that new information that it wasn't that he was being disobedient or defiant, he really didn't know that I was motioning for him to move. Mm -hmm. That obviously makes you feel bad as a parent that you're, you're having this kid sit in timeout who legitimately doesn't know what you're telling him to do. But yeah, it also created like an awareness in my mind of maybe he can't see what I'm asking him to do all of the time. Right. First of all, you don't need to beat yourself up. You're a great parent. You're taking your kids <laughs> to the beach. What a wonderful uh, gift that is. Um, I think what happens is we enter into conversations or points of conflict with another person, and we can only see from our own perspective. And, and yet, sometimes we don't have the wisdom nor the experience to really step back far enough and view this, what they might be seeing, you know? And so I think that that's the problem with that phrase of perception is reality, because isn't it true that we kind of adopt that phrase for ourselves and, and just kind of 
defend our own perception, that phrase perception is reality can be kind of misleading. I think that we all assume that it's just a phrase that's been around for a long time. And just out of curiosity, when we were preparing for this uh, episode, I decided to look up the history of the phrase. And I was surprised to find out it actually wasn't really widely used until the 1980s when a political consultant decided he wanted to use that as a phrase to justify spreading information to people that did not have any type of factual basis. Hmm. So perception is reality was really a way of saying facts don't matter. Yeah. So his political candidate could make it farther. Right. right. (laughs) I think that's interesting when you think about the history of that phrase, and yet it's entered into the psyche of the world. Truth is completely relative in a sense. It's whatever my experience is, feels like, well, this is the truth of what's actually happening. And again, I don't discount the fact that nobody can be in every place at every moment. And so anyone who's studying truth, they cannot possibly ever interview every single person alive to say what is happening here in a particular situation. But I think it's so irresponsible, can I use that word, of us to be able to say, my truth supersedes anybody else's truth. Right. And I think even that phrase has become popular, that my truth is it's, it's moved. This is my perception of what happened to my truth. In Christianity, maybe people will say, God told me. And as soon as somebody says, God told me, it triggers this thing in your mind of like, well, I can't argue with that. It sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but you've just eliminated every possibility of arguing. So I think when you say my truth, it discounts any other viewpoint instead of, well, this is what I saw. Maybe there's other factors that I don't know about going on. Right. And it, it would be easy for someone listening to assume that we're talking about a political viewpoint on one side of the aisle. And yet it may surprise you to think it might be yours as well. Not just, we're not criticizing the other. And I feel like, cause this is something we all do. We all kind of opt for our perspective or our perception of events in the world. And, and what that does, it, it creates some sort of pride in us that we have it all figured out. Right. And in order for us to really have a hopeful, generous courageous mindset that is leaning into hope, I think it has to start with some ability to say, I may not have it all figured out. And maybe maybe that word is humility. Yeah. I think that when we're able to accept that we may be wrong in every situation, or maybe not that we're wrong, but we just don't have all the information. I think it's very easy when it comes to how we perceive things to lump people into groups it's almost like this defense mechanism. So if, if one person like this hurt me, then everybody must be that way. Hmm. And instead of trying to find out more about the situation, we put up this wall because we've been offended in some way, or we've been hurt in some way. And so it's easier to uh, rely on our perception as being reality rather than what else is going on. Right. Good example of that. My friend is an, an Episcopal priest you know, and so the Episcopal priest would wear, you know, the collar just like a Catholic priest would. And he came over to the house the other day, we were having dinner 
and we were talking with him and his family and he had just come back from some kind of event at their cathedral, their church. And he was talking about how he was walking around in this public environment with his collar on. And some people were like responding to him with enthusiasm and trust. He said he could tell immediately that the same number of people were also responding to him in some sort of frustration or angst or distrust, you know, because what that collar represents for many people, especially in a community like Boston, the center of the Catholic priest sexual abuse scandal from a few years ago, there's so much distrust of what that uniform in a sense represents. So some people are like handing him special things. He's like going through this public market and people are like, father here, take this sort of thing. And, and then other people are like pushing him away, like get away from here. We don't want your kind here. So again, all it is, is just perception and everybody's experience is different. And I just think that that's so interesting. Like we lump people into a category based upon our previous experiences with that group. Right. That's anyone who's worked at a church though, whether or not we have to wear the collar, I'm sure you've encountered this. There's, there's always some moment in a conversation when you first are getting to know somebody where they say, so what do you do? (laughs) And you have to, you have to sit there and think, well, this conversation is about to go a different direction (laughs) (laughs) because all of a sudden the person feels like because of their perception of past people who have either been in ministry or worked at a church or whatever it is, that they suddenly have to put on this show in front of you. Like the conversation goes from them talking about their favorite bar in the city that you're flying to, to the last time they went to church, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, and why do you lump me into that category? That's right. I think that what that does, especially as we talk about a negative viewpoint is we're kind of saying this is a barrier to hope that perception that lives with inside of us. And maybe it's like you said, those defining moments that we've had in our life, they keep us from experiencing or even having the possibility for some sort of hopeful or good experience because of some negative thing that's happened to us. You know, a a silly example of this is uh, one time when I was a kid, I got sick in a restaurant, you know, (laughs) Of course, every time I went back, I would associate the time that I was sick in this restaurant. And uh, I've heard other people share similar stories about how they ate at a fast food restaurant and got so sick after that. And they then now assume that every single restaurant of that same category or brand, they say, well, they make terrible food. They make me sick. You know, it makes me scratch my head and just wonder like, it was one bad experience. Does that mean it always happens that way? And so that's kind of a lighthearted example, but that prevents us from having the possibility that there could be a positive experience at something in the future. And again, I'm not advocating for people going to more fast food or something, but I just want us to have a little bit more humility and hopefulness in the world. And I think openness as well, being open to what else may be going on. I spent a lot of time a while ago in Nigeria, and I have a very good friend who lives here in the U.S. who's from Nigeria, and he's actually a pastor at a church, and he had been working really hard to get a physical location because his church had been growing. I was the ops manager at Lowe's, and he came in. He was all excited about picking out the flooring for this new building, and so he wanted me to show him everything that we had. So he comes up to me and I introduce him to the people that worked in the office with me there. And 
he reaches out his hand and it created this weird moment for me because I know the times when we were in Nigeria, it's perfectly normal for two friends to walk down the street holding hands, whether it's two guys, two girls, it doesn't matter. You know, nobody looks at them and thinks anything about their sexuality, anything like that. But here in the U.S., especially in the Midwest, right, mm -hmm. uh, there's all kinds of assumptions that go into the way that two people are walking. And I, so I started thinking through it. I thought, I'm going to walk through the store holding hands with this guy that I'm friends with. And all of these people are going to see me doing that. I had to think through in that moment, am I going to offend my friend? because he is just doing what is natural to him. Like, come yeah. on, man, I want to show you this. Or do I worry so much about the perception of other people and allow the worry of how I might be perceived to take over? And it's not even that I was necessarily worried that they were going to think something negative. It's just, you know, especially in the Midwest, again, there can be certain things that people are overly judgmental about. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And in a sense, you're going to be rejecting your friend. And something that feels totally natural and normal, but it's going to be based upon the perceptions of other people. That's the other side to this coin. You know, it's like, on the one hand, we want to be changing our own perceptions and having some humility and having a larger, longer, higher view, if I can use all those terms, if that makes sense, of every situation so that we can have more hope. The other side of that coin is we're also having to deal with the perceptions of other people that other people are going to be perceiving us one way or the other. It's not just about us perceiving what may be happening, but it's like, uh, can I overcome what feels like the perception of others in this situation? Right. What we're talking about when we talk about hope is we're not talking about if we just take one step, or if we do this one thing, all of a sudden, everything's going to be bright and shiny and your whole world's going to be great. But it's allowing ourselves to have this positive idea of the next thing that happens could be good. Or if I, if I take a bigger worldview or a God's eye view, or if you're not, you know, a, a person of faith than like the Google earth view <laughs> of a situation where maybe you can see more than just what's immediately in front of you. Because that thing that's immediately in front of you, like you were talking about earlier with, with your example, with the drywall dust clouding your vision, that barrier that's right in front of you may not be near as big as you think it is. And so allowing our minds to hope versus just worrying about the immediate perceptions of other people or what we're seeing right in front of us, I think is where we're trying to head with this. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is that hope is a mindset and not an end goal. Right. I, I, I view hope more as a decision that I am going to trust that things can be better than what I'm seeing right now. It's not necessarily a, all, and all of a sudden, everything good is happening to me. It's just this pain or this negative situation or this darkness I'm feeling right now is temporary and there's something better around the corner. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously there's a temptation in talking about this idea of perception is reality to then basically make a political podcast or make a cultural review podcast <laughs> that describes like how we want to change the world, but, it, but we are focused more on this inner experience, this inner life. 
And so we're talking about perception as reality, as in like what's happening within us that's preventing us from being able to enter into moments with a mindset of hope. Right. And what we're trying to do is look at these different topics or these different um, struggles that we all face and say, okay, how do we work through that for ourselves? And then how do we work through it in a way that helps other people as well? Because that plays into our faith. I mean, the Jesus said that the greatest commands were to love God and then to love others. And so we have to, at some point, deal with ourselves in order to do those things. Mm-hmm. That's That's so true. Yeah. Where I live in Boston right now, it's constantly in the news about a crisis of uh, homelessness and drug use in its particular part of Boston. I drive through there every once in a while, and I and I and there's a temptation just to every person you see to kind of assume a certain thing. It, it prevents you from being able to love this person because of this perception that we have. And so like what you're saying is if we want to be Christ to other people, we have to let go of what our perceptions are and enter into it with a little, we said the word several times, humility, openness, with the possibility of being wrong about your own perceptions about, say, an individual. You know, so if I see somebody who's on the side of the road who's asking for money, you know, there, there might be this perception inside of me that if I help this person, I'm just going to enable their addiction uh, by offering what I can. And that could be the reality, but I think going into it with that assumption is going to prevent us from being able to have a real conversation, treat this person as an actual person and not just an object or something that's in the way or uh, is a stepping stone in our own faith even. And so I think that that's, that's the possibility of this discussion is we're opening ourselves up to be able to practice those greatest commands that, that Jesus was talking about. Right. And I think the reason that humility keeps coming up is because that's the first step in all of this Mm -hmm. in, in overcoming these negative perceptions we might have of anything really, but especially of others. I think that the first few times you make this conscious decision that I'm not going to allow my presupposed notion of that person to prevent me from trying to interact with them in some way. And I think at the beginning, it feels like a chore, but then as you realize how wrong your assumptions or your perceptions about a person or a situation or an event or anything can be, then it almost becomes like this sense of wonder. That can also drive us toward this mindset of hope is is getting back to that, that wonder that we had as kids, where it's like, everybody is not out to get me. I'm just, I'm just out here having a good time and I'm going to go up and say, hi, my youngest waves at everybody. You know, <laughs> he's, he says, hi, he waves at everybody and they just get this smile on their face. And, you know, he, he brings a moment of happiness to everyone. And it's just getting back to that place where we're just happy to engage with people without all the baggage that we bring along as we grow older in life and all of our experiences. That's so good. Yeah. And I think about hope and wonder that these are courageous choices. This is something I'm striving for that requires some courage to see the world differently, to share love with someone, even if I think there's a possibility that they 
may not fully receive my love, or it may not lead to some sort of a change in their life or whatever it may be. It is the relinquishing of control of every situation and entering into some sort of a courageous act of being more like Christ to those we come in contact with. And I think you're exactly right. That's why Jesus refers to coming to him like little children, because children are those courageous people that haven't been burned before. You know, they they have not had as many experiences where they waved at someone and they didn't wave back. Usually people receive their kindness and receive their generosity. And it's only as teens and adults that we learn, okay, if I act that way in the world, people are going to take advantage of me or they're going to uh, look down on me. Uh, or I'm going to be one of those weird people, you know? <laughs> and so I right. think that that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a courageous choice that we're trying to encourage people to make. Yeah. And I think it becomes more courageous, even the older we get, because not only are we, you know, just innocently going up and waving at everybody, but uh, we're working to overcome all of our own baggage that we've brought with us in order to bring just a moment of happiness to them or, or some kind of hope that their day will be better. I think what's really cool about that, it not only offers hope to somebody else, it also builds our own faith in others and in hope and the fact that, well, maybe things aren't as bad as they seem right now. You mentioned the word baggage. You know, I kind of had a had our physical reaction to that word because I carry a lot of baggage and the things we're talking about do not come easily for me or for, I would assume for you as well. We're just talking about these things as things we're hoping to lean into and striving for and encouraging other people on that path. Right. I think this show is more about the things that we're trying to put into practice in our own lives than it is to say we're experts at this. It's Maybe this is the next step we need to take. Let's talk about this and record it. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. So just kind of concluding for us here, David, we're trying to combat negative mindsets that keep us from the possibility of hope. And one of those obviously is this cultural expectation that perception is reality. And we are saying, no, it's not reality. So what are some of the things that we would need to do in order to keep us from doing that? I think practically we've, we've discussed some of the solutions already, but practically is meditation, prayer, self-reflection. I think that when we're able to reflect on our own thoughts and our own emotions and what we may be assuming or bringing into the situation, then that makes us more aware uh, when we do encounter people or events to be able to approach them with a more humble uh, mindset and say, okay, well, I know that even though I've experienced this, this may not be what's happening right now. And I also think though, for people of faith, it's asking what God's view of this would be. Yeah. Since I'm not really good at these things, it it requires that I am sitting alone with my own thoughts, maybe sharing them with a counselor or, you know, a, a spouse or a good friend processing out loud. So even when you have to say the words out loud, there's something unique that happens because you now having described to somebody who maybe wasn't there, it begins to change your perception. And it also gives the possibility that, that you're allowing someone else to speak into your situation. So thank you so much, David, for all the things you've shared. Uh, I know I need to hear some of these messages as we continue to try to combat the negative influences in our life that prevent us from being hopeful. And so I'm excited for 
what we've been talking about. And I'm looking forward to the next time we're together. And I hope all of our listeners will join us again for another episode of Get Up and Hope. We will see you soon. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Get Up and Hope. If you have enjoyed this discussion, please take a moment to help us out by leaving us a review and be sure to subscribe to this podcast in order to receive future episodes. Thanks again.